0: Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories of encounters with God. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy. And today I am thrilled to bring you a personal friend. We have Jahan Story from Nashville. And I've actually known Jahan since college, and I knew she had quite a story. She's funny, she's so fun. <laughs> and I'd, I've been dying for her to share her story. Mm-hmm. And we kept waiting for a gathering, yeah. a Storytellers Live gathering, to open up in Nashville it did not happen. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, well, guess what? Now we don't have to wait. (laughs) And so she just willingly
1: shared her story, press on Zoom. That's right. And we titled her story, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's going to be a little self-explanatory as you get (laughs) into it. But when I listened to her story, I have to say, Lindy, I just kept thinking of you. She reminded me so much of you. (laughs)
2: Yes. Yes. And her story is very similar to mine in that in her cancer journey, what could go wrong did Mm -hmm. go wrong. And it was just her realizing Just the lessons that she learned. And and man, Jahan and I could be fast friends. Yes, you could. Fast friends. Speaking of the lessons learned, there were so
1: many great lessons in her story and so many God moments that I was like, this has to be a discovery Mm -hmm. guide on Patreon. And so we have one waiting there for you. So you just need to go to patreon.com and join. So you can get that discovery guide unless, Robin, you want to tell yeah. them more about where they get because they get a lot more than that.
0: Uh, it's true. I was going to say, if you are curious about what Patreon is, you hear this word and you don't know what we're talking about. It is a community that you join monthly and you're a patron of Storytellers Lab podcast. It helps support us financially. You know, podcasts don't happen for free. And so you can join for either 5 or $10 a month. And not only do you get a discovery guide that Katie writes, it's a fantastic Bible study around one of our storytellers mm-hmm. every month. You also get a story within the story, which is kind of a behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. interview with one of mm-hmm. our podcast episodes. And then sometimes you just get to hear us talking, having (laughs) random conversations called inside storytellers. And then we pop in fun things on occasion Mm -hmm. that we just don't even know. Mm -hmm. They just show up.
2: So check us out at patreon.com slash STL community, or go to the show notes from this episode. Here's Jahan.
0: It's 2021, and we know that so many of you are looking for a new Bible study for this season, whether it's by yourself or with friends, in a group, online, all the different options we have these days. And we have the perfect Bible study for you, and that is Discover Your Story. Discover Your Story is an eight-week Bible study where you go through eight of our podcasts. And so each week you listen to a podcast Then there is discussion questions, personal reflection questions, Bible verses, all that really show you how... God uses someone else's story to relate to your life. And then on your own, you write your own story throughout the eight weeks. So you're not discussing your story every week as a group. You're actually discussing other people's stories. And then on the side, you're working on your own story. That's right. And if you've never led a study,
1: here's the thing. You've got a facilitator's guide now available. (laughs) And so that facilitator's guide will walk you through each week exactly how to leave, questions you can ask, scriptures you can reference. So that's available
2: for you as well. Both of these products are available on our website right now at StorytellersLive.org. Go on the homepage and hit the shop button.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. I'm a huge fan of Storytellers Live, and so I'm thrilled to be having the opportunity to tell my story today. Thank you for having me. Um, just a little bit about me. I grew up mostly in Birmingham. There was a little stunt in Baltimore, Maryland when I was in middle school due to one of my, do- my dad's job transfers, but I mostly went to Briarwood for elementary school and high school and then went to college at Alabama. I'm very close to my family. I have wonderful parents. We had a very safe and stable home life. And I'm the oldest of two girls. And my little sister is still my best friend. I just had a great childhood. I was so fortunate. I became a Christian at a really young age. I was in second grade and my mom became a Christian the same year. So we were new in our faith together and I was very nurtured in my faith at a young age, both at home and at church and at school, and just was grateful to get to hear about Jesus from my parents. I'm very much wired like the oldest, typical oldest child, a good student. I was task oriented. I'm a doer. I like to check things off my to do list. I did not want to disappoint anybody. And As a young person, people could count on me to take charge and be a leader and get things done. And the reason I mentioned that is because during my early years of faith, I struggled with self-reliance plus Jesus. So one of my favorite pastors likes to say the formula is Jesus plus nothing equals enough. And that sounded good. And in theory, I would have said that I agreed with that. But as a young woman, I operated more out of the attitude that Jesus plus me contributing all my own good works was actually enough. And I could get easily caught up in the do's and don'ts of the Christian life. And I actually had a lot of pride about that. So I like to say that I'm a recovering legalist and God has been gracious to grow me as I've matured in my faith. He has taught me so much more about his grace. I moved to Atlanta after college, which is where I met my husband, Scott. We got married in 2003. And we have three children, they, a daughter and two sons. And we moved to the Nashville area about 11 years ago, which is where we call home now. We had our three babies in four years. And at one point during the hazy fog that is my youngest son's first year of life, like it was all such a blur. I remember distinctly having a conversation with a woman at my church who is a marriage and family counselor, and she's a friend of mine. And she was just kind of checking in on me because she knew I was in a busy season of life with toddlers and a newborn. And she asked me if I had ever sat down with my Bible and just let God's lavish love wash over me. And I thought that was such an interesting concept. But my first thought was, I don't have time to do that. When I'm sitting down to read my Bible, I've got a to-do list. Like, I've got a a Bible study I'm getting done. I've got a passage I'm working through. I mean, I'm not just going to sit there and do nothing and wait for God's lavish love to wash over me. So, you know, it really, that stuck with me because I remember thinking, I don't think she's in touch with reality. But it had never occurred to me to sit and just listen and wait to hear from the Lord. So, That's a little bit bit about who I am and how I'm wired, but the story that I want to share today actually starts in 2017. Um, That year was the most difficult year of my life up until that point for a lot of different reasons. For those of you who are married, if you have been married longer than, I'm going to say, 20 minutes, you know that it's not always easy. It's sometimes hard, and there are definitely years that are easier than others, and that was not... A honeymoon year for us. We were working through some difficult issues and there were some pain points in our marriage that needed to be worked through. And oftentimes what i found is you have to dive deep and it gets worse before it gets better. And that was the case in our relationship that year. It was just a really difficult year of marriage. There was a serious fracture in my relationship with a very close friend. And so I was very saddened by that and I was grieving the loss of that friendship. We had one child who was really struggling with some pretty serious mental health issues that year, so parenting was especially difficult, and we were worried sick for this particular child, and a lot of time and energy went into trying to find the resources that we needed, and it just was a very time-consuming and stressful thing in our lives. Scott's job was fairly stressful that year. Uh, He was traveling quite a bit. and just had a lot of pressure on him work-wise, and Around the beginning of the summer in 2017, we actually made the decision to move within the Nashville area and change schools. And it was hotter than the surface of the sun that summer in Nashville. So we were in the process of trying to sell our house and buy another one. And it just was a lot of stress. There were just multiple areas of life that felt hard that year. But we got moved. And at the end of the summer in 2017, our youngest started kindergarten. And it was the first time that all three kids were in full-time school, and everybody was in a new school. And I had really been putting my hope in the fall, thinking that it was going to get better, and that, you know, my kids were going to go to school, I was going to have a chance to kind of exhale. Some of those things that I mentioned, we were working our way through it, it felt like this has to get better, fall has has to be easier than the previous months. So I had been feeling kind of restless and wondering what to do in this next chapter while my kids were all in full time school, and I've been praying about possibly going back to work part time and just trying to think about how what I was going to do with my time. I have always enjoyed writing, and I wanted to start either taking writing more seriously in a professional capacity or at the very least just being intentional about really developing as, it as a hobby and seeing what could come from it. As long as I can remember, as far back as I can remember, I have had a desire to write a book, but I have always felt like I didn't have anything to say. And I felt in that fall of 2017 that I just didn't have a compelling story. And so I asked God to give me a story. And boy, that can be dangerous. My birthday is in late September. So The fall is when I tend to do all of my annual appointments just because it helps me remember to do them. So it was early to mid-October when I went for my regular checkup with my OBGYN and I wasn't having any issues and she didn't find any issues. And we were just chatting after the appointment and walking out of the exam room and she very casually suggested that I get a mammogram. And I said, well, I wasn't scheduled for one this year. I have no risk factors. I have no family history. I'm young. I'd had one previous mammogram prior to that day. And she said, I just wish you would. Your insurance will cover it. Go ahead and do it. So I walked over to the imaging center that's part of her office and just asked if they had any appointments. And they said, yeah, come back at one o'clock. So I left and got a sandwich and came back that afternoon. And that's really how it started. I was not the least bit worried when the office called me back a week or two later and told me they wanted to biopsy a suspicious spot on my right breast. It never occurred to me that it would be anything more than just a Common density or a benign cyst. What they do in a biopsy is they extract tissue out of the suspicious area with a long needle. So afterwards, there can be some bruising and swelling. I was so not concerned about it that I went right on with my day. I found myself in a long line at Walgreens waiting to pick up a prescription when the ice pack fell out of my bra. And there's no graceful way to sort of scoop up in public an ice pack and stuff it back in your shirt. It's very difficult to do that, all with a face that's saying, Look away, nothing to see, nothing to see here. There's ice falling out of my shirt. Just don't say anything. And then later that afternoon, I went to Glow Galaxy, which is one of those obnoxious places that gives you an automatic migraine. My son was celebrating his birthday with a bunch of five and six-year-olds. And again, I have ice stuck in my shirt. So suffice it to say, it was a huge shock when I did get the phone call saying that my biopsy was malignant and I did, in fact, have breast cancer. After a few days of shock and numbness, my plan was to just add cancer to my to-do list and get her done, you know, beat cancer, check. And I don't want to minimize anyone's experience because anytime that you hear the words you and cancer in the same sentence, it's extremely significant. But I thought, okay, they've caught it early. Nobody felt anything. It has to be early. I'll just have a minor little outpatient lumpectomy. I won't need anything else. We'll get it out. I'll move on with my life. It did not turn out to be quite that simple. I ended up having two lumpectomies, but the pathology came back each time showing that not all the cancer had been removed. So I knew at that point I was going to need more invasive surgery. With the information that had been collected from the removal of lymph nodes underneath my arm, the doctors now knew that the specific type of cancer cells that I had that formed my tumor were fast-growing and abnormal, and that information plus the fact that I was a young age, they consider anything less under 45, a pretty young age for diagnosis, meant that I was in the high-risk category for recurrence. So my oncologist wanted me to start aggressive chemo sooner rather than later. And we ended up postponing more surgery so that I could go ahead and start chemo every other week. Actually, it was exactly three years ago today I started chemo. So I did that from January to May every other Thursday. And then I had a few weeks off when chemo was over to rest up for a double mastectomy and reconstruction. That was an 11 hour surgery. And I was in the ICU for a couple of days afterwards. And all in all, I ended up having seven surgeries in about 13 months time. There were stitches from across my chest to across my pelvis. And I had four drains under my arms, two under my arms and two on my hips. They're kind of like, they look like little plastic grenades and they have tubing that's sewn into your body. They're not very comfortable. You can only wear certain clothing over these drains. I had one long skirt with an elastic waistband that would fit over the drains on my hips. And about five weeks after my big surgery, I actually tripped. I was walking and I tripped um, on my flip-flops and fell face first on the concrete, like on my chest. And my drains filled with blood and it scared me to death. I ended up needing a couple of more surgeries after that to deal with some of the complications from my drains. So all in all, this cancer journey was just not the quick fix that I was expecting. I suddenly found myself very dependent on others, which is not a place that I'm particularly comfortable or like to be. But God used my community, His people, to carry me and my family through that time. We certainly had lots of love and support from our families. Both mine and my husband's traveled to Nashville often and helped us in immeasurable ways. But there were others some who I hardly even knew. I was new in this community, new in the neighborhood, new in the schools. I didn't know a lot of people well, but I had acquaintances that stepped up in ways to serve us in ways that I didn't even know I needed. One girl texted me and, and said that she was going to bring home my kids from soccer every Thursday because my treatments were on Thursdays. I think I'd met her one time for two minutes. Another friend insisted on coming over on my treatment days and she would wash my sheets, wait for them to dry, and then remake up my bed so that when I got home, I had fresh lemons. It would never have occurred to me to ask for that, but that was such a blessing. We had meals for months. Our church pulled money together and I had a housekeeper come every other week for a year. I really missed that. My best friends in Birmingham came together and wrote my thank you notes for me. They served me from afar. That was such a blessing. During this time, I started writing consistently on Caring Bridge as a way to update family and friends, but it also really became a way for me to just process my feelings. God used my writing. To not only help me work through how I was feeling about what was happening, but also really see in print the ways that he had gone before me and prepared my family and me and my community for this. I want to read you two scriptures that were really important to me during this time. God showed me these and they have stood out to me ever since. The first is in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And the second is from Isaiah 45, verse 2. I will go before you and make the rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of bronze and cut through their iron bars. So I'm going to give you an example of some of the ways that the Lord went before me. And this first one is a doozy, and it sounds crazy even as I say it out loud. And if I had not been there, I probably would not have believed that it happened, but I can promise it is true. When the first two lumpectomies, when it became clear from the pathology that I was going to have to have more than we originally thought because they had not gotten all the cancer, that was in the middle of the holidays. And so we were going to get through Christmas and wait until January to start chemo and then eventually have a double mastectomy. So that December, I was kind of in a little bit of a interim period where nothing was happening. I was just kind of recovering from the first two surgeries. And I was at a Christmas party with my family of a good friend. And I don't know how it happened. Another good friend who was there, who I love dearly, but I just don't get to spend a lot of time with on a very regular basis. Um, she and I kind of found ourselves off in a corner by ourselves. And the kids, I think, were in the basement. I don't know where the husbands had gone, but we were just grateful that we had a minute to catch up by ourselves. And so we're sitting in the corner of this very busy, packed Christmas party. And my friend says to me, there's something I want to tell you that I've been waiting to have a chance to tell you when we were by ourselves. And I said, okay. And she said, there have been three times in my life that the Lord has shown me something was going to happen before it did. And I said, okay. And she said, the first time I was in third grade and I was getting ready for school that morning. And I thought I'm going to be in a car accident today. And then that afternoon on a way home from school, she and her mom and her two brothers were in a car accident and thankfully they were fine. But she had foreknowledge of that happening. And then the second time she told me, she said, when we were newly married, I knew that my husband was going to lose his job and it was very unexpected, but she had this thought my husband's going to lose his job. And sure enough, within 24 hours, her young husband comes back home and says, you're not gonna believe this, I got laid off today. And I was like, that's cool. And she said, "Um, and the third thing is that I knew you were going to have breast cancer. And she went on to say that she had been reading a book that fall by an author that we both love, Melanie Schenkel. And in the book, Melanie Schenkel writes about one of her dear friends from college who ends up passing away from breast cancer in her late 30s. And so my friend was driving down the road, just in her minivan, driving down the road, and she was thinking about the book that she had just finished. And she said that she thought to herself, you know, in this age and stage of life that we're in, late 30s, early 40s, breast cancer is so common, one out of eight women. She said, I had the thought, I'm kind of surprised that I haven't had a really close friend who has battled this because it seems like I would have at this point. And she said, as soon as she thought that, the Holy Spirit whispered very clearly to her, it's Johan. Johan has breast cancer. And the next day, and so she didn't tell anybody this story. And the next day I texted her from Walgreens because I thought she'd have a good laugh about the ice pack falling out of my bra, but I hadn't even told her I was having a biopsy. So I listened quietly as she spoke. And at first I was completely dumbfounded. And honestly, I think my first thought was how many glasses of wine have I had at this Christmas party? I, I'm not sure I even, what? Like I was like, what? <laughs> But as her words started to sink in, and I really gave it some thought, I realized that not only had God gone before me in this cancer experience, but he was so kind and gracious to prepare a dear friend of mine who would be able to comfort me and encourage me immediately, even though I was in shock. By the time that I got my biopsy results back, my friend had already bought me a card written in it and gotten my favorite chocolate bar from Trader Trader Joe's, and she brought it over to me the afternoon that I was diagnosed. And at the time, I should have realized then, how how are you even here so quickly? I just texted you. But she had already had the card written and was ready to go. Another example of the way God went before me in this situation was I struggled a lot with how to tell people just the nature of breast cancer. It's sort of you know, intimate and awkward and private. And it feels strange to tell people if you don't know well. And I was relatively new in this community. And so I thought a lot about how do you drop this bomb? It's very difficult to say to someone at the bus stop, I've come down with a bad case of the boob cancer, you know? And so my daughter was on a competition cheer squad that fall for the first time. And we were carpooling with another, car- with another cheerleader who lived near us. That December, we had gone to a play. And when I sat down and took my seat at a local theater, I saw a few rows in front of us, this mom and her daughter who is cheering with my daughter. And I knew that this was my opportunity to talk to her because I thought it's going to be strange as I lose my hair and start to physically look different. If I'm picking up her daughter and we're in the driveway and I'm not explaining any change in my physical appearance. So I knew I needed to tell her, but I just felt nervous about it and awkward. But I knew that this play was my opportunity. So At intermission, I approached her, and I don't really remember what I said, but I stammered through it and just said, I just want you to know this is what's going on. Before I could even get the sentence out, she had her hand on my arm. She said, I'm a three-year survivor. And she said, I blogged about this extensively. I am an open book. I would love to walk with you through this journey. Please use me as a resource. And I could not believe what I was hearing. Number one, it was so encouraging to me because her hair was gorgeous. She was the picture of health. I mean, just looking at her, I would never have known that she had been through this three years prior. That was so encouraging. But again, I was stunned at the kindness of the Lord that he would go before me and prepare people in the community for for this. Not only that, that cheer squad was made up of 12 girls. So, There was me. There was this mom that I just told you about that I talked to at the theater. There were two other moms who had battled breast cancer. So, four out of the 12 cheerleaders, a third of the squad had moms who had gone through this. So, my daughter had people that she was walking through this with who knew what it was like when mom's having surgery today, or mom's bald, or mom's not feeling well. My daughter had people who could come alongside her that were her peers and knew exactly what that was like. So sweet of the Lord. I mentioned that one child was deeply struggling that year before I was diagnosed. And so we had pursued some intense counseling. And that child was involved in a weekly group therapy with counselors and other peers to be able to talk about things that are hard, like your mom having cancer, for example. That was in place before my diagnosis. So that child had peers and counselors and people to speak into his life. Our kindergartner was fairly oblivious. You know, he was five, just turning six when all this was going on. And when we told the kids that mommy had some bad cells that needed to come out, he simply responded, are you going to be fine? Because you still look fine. His innocence was a gift. He had a kid in his class whose mom was nursing a newborn that year. And our youngest is an external processor and an extrovert to the nth degree. And so he likes to talk about anything and everything that he hears and sees. If he has a thought, it comes out of his mouth. No questions. So he kept us on our toes as we fielded phone calls from the school and answered questions from his teacher and other parents about having my baby feeder thingies cut off. It's interesting going through that with a little one. There are thousands of examples like that one. um, The day that I got the call that my biopsy was malignant, there I was volunteering at a preschool. I was only there for a couple hours a week. And once a month, the speech therapist would come in and evaluate the preschoolers. She didn't have a regular schedule. She would come in randomly just once a month. She's a breast cancer survivor. She happened to be there the morning that I was there. My husband was out of town. My parents and sister were three hours away. She's really the first person who came in the office and sat with me and just prayed with me and kind of talked about next steps one day, nobody really ever tells you that cancer is very painful or the treatment for cancer is very painful, but it is. And I had a violent 12 hour stomach bug three days after a C-section. So I really think I know physical pain, but one day I was in so much pain. It was the day of my infusion and my favorite oncology nurse happened to be there. It was not her day to be in, but she came in on her off day. She was in her late fifties and she had just been widowed for a second time. And she had cared for her second husband all the way through a long illness. And I think she was walking through her own suffering. And I think that work was a place of respite for her. And so she had come in that day. Well, I was really hurting. There were some extenuating things going on. And I was in a lot, I was in an abnormal amount of pain that day. And so when she came in my room, I just said, is there any way you could get me some Motrin or Advil or something to put in this IV? Because I'm really hurting. She left. And I mean, I don't know what she had to do. I know she had to track down the doctor, get the order, take it to the pharmacy, go all over the hospital. But she came back in with morphine for my IV. And I mean, when you ask for Advil and somebody brings you morphine, that's a gift from the Lord. That is heaven sent. Some days it hurt to move and I would just stay in my bed and just hold my Bible. I couldn't always even open it, but I would hold it and just cling to the promises of God that I knew were inside. There was a... Cashier at the grocery store where I shop regularly near my house. And she had pink ribbon on her shirt that I commented on one day. And she said uh, that her 32 year old daughter had passed away of breast cancer and that the anniversary of her daughter's death was the next day. So we chatted for a minute. I offered my condolences and I went home and I loaded my groceries. And when I went to the mailbox that afternoon, I had a gift from my sweet friend who is a talented potter and she had made handmade crosses. For me to give as gifts. She just said, if you want to hand these out to people who have ministered to you during this time or just whatever you want to do with them, she said, I just made these for you and I thought you might like to hand them out. And so I knew immediately that that cashier needed one of those crosses. So I wrote her a note. And the next day, which was the anniversary of her daughter's de- death, I went back up to Publix and found her. And I explained that my friend had made these crosses and that I wanted to give her one. And I said, you know, I don't know if you're a person of faith, but I would love to tell you about the ways that God has walked me through this journey. And she said, no, I'm not a person of faith, but my daughter was. And so I'm going to keep this and I appreciate your gift. I just feel like the Lord put so many people in my path that there was no other explanation. They were there for a reason. Most of them were blessing me. That fall, we rented a cabin in East Tennessee. Just I had randomly searched on VRBO just to get away for a few days. When we got there, the couple that owned the cabin had just found out that the wife had breast cancer and she was going to be commuting back and forth to Nashville to be treated at Vanderbilt by the same doctors that i had had. We had moved from a private school into a public school district. So our kids were riding the bus to school for the first time, which was an absolute lifesaver that year on mornings when Scott was out of town and I was too sick to get up to get him to school. There were just so many ways. It was obvious that God had gone before us in this season. A song that kept coming to me over and over again during that time, I had first heard it a year before when the singer-songwriter played it for a mom's group that I was part of. It was before the album was even released. And then I heard it again for on the way to meet my oncologist for the first time. And after that, it was like the floodgates were opened. Every friend I heard from texted me about this song, or I got, this song was gifted to me on Spotify, or so-and-so sent me the CD. It was like, all of a sudden, I couldn't get away from the song. And I was like, fine, Lord, I'll listen to the song. So it's Ellie Holcomb's Find You Here, and I want to read you a little bit, a few of the lyrics. It's not the news that any of us hoped we would hear. It's not the road we would have chosen. No. The only thing that we can see is darkness up ahead, but you're asking us to lay our worry down and sing a song instead. And I didn't know I'd find you here in the middle of my deepest fear, but you were drawing near. You were overwhelming me with peace. So I lift my voice and sing, you're going to carry us through everything. You are drawing near. You're overwhelming all my fears with peace here in the middle of the lonely night here in the middle of the losing fight. You're here in the middle of the deep regret here when the healing hasn't happened yet here in the middle of the desert place here in the middle when I cannot see your face here in the middle with your outstretched arms. You can see my pain and it breaks your heart. Time and time again, it was so apparent to me that God had gone before me and prepared my community, prepared my family, prepared my heart to surrender control, to allow other people to help, and to actually be still and listen to what the Lord has for me. Cancer is definitely a before and after life-altering experience, or at least it was for me. I will never be the same physically or any other way. I was changed from the inside out. But here are some things that I have learned. God has graciously allowed me to trust Him a little bit more easily, not that I do this perfectly, but I think that I can trust Him easier when I think back to those concrete examples that He showed me in 2017 and 2018, as I remember His unwavering faithfulness to go before me. I'm a lot better, maybe a little better at giving grace to myself these days when I need to rest and take it easy. It also allows me to have grace and empathy for others who may appear unproductive. It was a dirty word for me, but it allows me to have more grace and empathy for others and myself. My worth is not tied to productivity, and God could not love me any more or less than He did when I was making an idol out of marking off my to-do list. God has taught me how to just sit back and bask in His lavish love for me. He has allowed my writing to be used for His glory As I've had several young women recently diagnosed with cancer find my writings and reach out to me after reading my experience, my prayer continues to be that God would use this writing to provide hope and encouragement for others. I still have um, regular shots in my abdomen, and I take a form of oral chemo daily to kick me into medical menopause. So even though I may look normal, I'm not completely the same. These things are also designed to hopefully prevent recurrent. I have no idea what the future looks like, but I am confident that God is writing his story in me and in all of you and all of us as we fulfill his purposes for our lives. I really hate cancer, but I love the depth and quality and healing that it brought to my marriage and my friendships and my relationships. And the verse that I claimed as mine during this time was 1 Peter 5, 10 after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He is the one doing good work in me. Any fruit that comes from my life is because of him alone. And he is the one who goes before us and prepares us because his love for us is radical and deep and lavish. And so we can sit and just let it rain over us.
0: How powerful and relatable is Jahan's ending line, where she talks about that she is better at giving grace to herself and Mm -hmm. others, even when she's unproductive? Uh, Which, really, a fun fact before we really get started into Jahan's story is that we surprised her when we recorded this on Zoom. I actually know a lot of her close friends. And so they all surprised her by being on the Zoom call and listening to her story. And it was so sweet, so fun. And at the end, everybody just kind of talked for a minute. And I think, Every person on the call said their biggest takeaway was really in the beginning of her story when she says, Jesus plus nothing is enough. And what she really wanted to say is, Jesus plus whatever I can contribute Mm -hmm. is (laughs) enough. And then to, you know, to round that out again at the end is so powerful to me Mm -hmm. of striving and how hard we try to work for our faith. Yeah. Why is that such a trap for women? It is. Why? I think Absolutely. because we just
1: live in a world where it tells us, you know, we need to accomplish, we need to do more, we need to be productive, mm-hmm. instead of just being still before him and mm-hmm. allowing him to fill us and give us the ability to to accomplish whatever he's called us to do. I mean, his burden, he tells us, is, is easy, yes. his yoke is light. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, that's the one thing, takeaway for me was just this mm-hmm. idea of, oh my gosh, stop striving and stop right. relying on yourself, Katie. Right. Yeah.
2: I liked how she called her boobs, baby figures. <laughs> because honestly, I was like, oh, my gosh, I've never heard that. And I love it. But other than that, uh, the fact that her community surrounded her again, I can I can relate back to my story and how God used his love through others. I mean, just the friend that came and washed her sheets every yeah, week yes. and every time she had chemo. What a precious way to show someone that you Mm -hmm. care about them. And again, it kind of goes back in 2021. I'm just trying to be more mindful of other people and what they need, Mm -hmm. and how I can just give in the smallest ways. Mm And mm-hmm. so I love that Jahan recognized that. And then at the end, you know, she's giving the cross to the lady at Right. She's yes. seeing opportunity because there's a reason that you've been through the struggle and you can pay it forward. And, you know, one thing, I mean, that's the power of story, right? Yes. Because
1: it challenged you and you're, mm-hmm. I mean, it encouraged mm-hmm. you in your 2021 endeavors of, mm-hmm. of living for others. That's right. And that's what I love about storytellers is, you know, these women share their stories so vulnerably. And they think it's just about them and God. And it's really about all of us and what we learn from it and how we can apply it to our lives Mm -hmm. and make a difference for God and His kingdom. Absolutely.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. You know, along with the reliance and the self control and the not giving yourself grace, it's also such a reminder that when you allow other people to help you, Mm -hmm. they are also doing their calling. They are also serving the Lord. And, you know, it's so I've told y'all a thousand times on here, you know, that our daughter has surgeries. And Mm -hmm. so, I get how hard it is to let people help you. Mm-hmm. You just kind of add these things to your to-do list, mm-hmm. like she talked mm-hmm. about. And what you're doing is you're not giving other people the opportunity to love you and serve mm-hmm. you well. Mm-hmm. And so also, set, I mean, writing the thank you notes, having your friends, I was like, well, can I do that? Yeah. Just, can I have somebody write thank you notes for <laughs> me all the time? <laughs> right. <laughs> What a gift. (laughs) Anyways, we are so thankful for Jahan sharing her story. It has been a story long desired on our podcast and thrilled she finally got the opportunity to share it. And we actually have a special gift for you, a special opportunity that we have not done before. Jahan is a phenomenal writer and she journaled on CaringBridge her entire cancer journey. And it is still there and she's funny and she's real. And y'all, this was I know personally, because I know her that this journey was much more difficult. She didn't give you a lot of the mm-hmm. detail. But if you know someone who has is walking through a cancer diagnosis of some sort or or any kind of medical difficulty, really any difficulty, it is so encouraging. It is so real and raw and just everything that you would want, you can go there. We're gonna link her Caring Bridge site in the notes to the podcast, which means when you're looking at the podcast on Apple or wherever you listen, you scroll down and at the bottom there are links to our website, to Patreon, and there's mm-hmm. gonna be a link a link to Jahan's Caring Bridge page. And I promise you will get encouragement from this. So thanks for listening today and reading if you go read her stuff. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.